the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Now Martha said to Jesus, verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Can you hear the disappointment in her words? If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Lord, if you would have been here, you could have healed him. Lord, if you would have been here, he'd be alive right now. Jesus, you could have prevented this. If you would have showed up, I mean, you could have done something. You could have stopped this. Have you ever found yourself disappointed in God's will? God doesn't always work in ways that make sense to us. He may take you on a path that's the exact opposite of what you would have chosen for yourself. You'll experience heartache and loss that feels very unfair, and it's easy to question God's goodness in those moments. But as Pastor Dan will reassure us in today's message, it's okay to be honest with God about your disappointments. He can handle it, just like He can bring good out of that bad situation. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 11 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 17, which is where we left off last week. So when Jesus came to Bethany, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, 
followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his voice, lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you have sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus. Come forth, and he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth, and Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him, but some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and the nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. This passage contains the fifth I am statement that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. Again, if you look at verse 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. That's his fifth I am statement. This is also the last of the seven miracles that John records in his Gospel. John saved the best for last. Uh, This is Jesus' greatest miracle during his ministry here on the earth. This is the the climactic miracle of his ministry. Uh, And the raising of Lazarus is a picture of the resurrection that every believer in Jesus Christ will one day experience. What Jesus did for Lazarus, he's going to do one day for every believer. He's going to call us forth out of the grave, to life. 
And he'll call our loved ones who've died in Christ out of the grave to life. This is our, this is our hope uh, as believers in Jesus Christ that we will have life after death, that we will have eternal life with Jesus Christ, and that our loved ones that have died in Christ will also have eternal life and will be reunited with them in Christ. Uh, if you look back in verse 4, in verse 4, when Jesus received news that Lazarus was sick, he said in verse 4, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus said that this sickness will not end in death. He didn't say Lazarus will not die. He said it's not going to end in death. Death is not going to be the end of this. Death will not have the final word. And for the believer in Jesus Christ, death is not the end. The resurrection is the end. Uh, And so now we pick it up today in verse 17, uh, where Jesus has traveled with his disciples to uh, Bethany. He's approaching the city of Bethany where Lazarus uh, lived and where he was buried. Uh, Verse 17 says, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb Four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, just over the Mount of Olives, on the other side of the Mount of Olives, the eastern side of the Mount of Olives. Uh, When Jesus arrived at Bethany, Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. Uh, So the funeral was four days prior to his arrival. Uh, In Israel, uh, they they, uh, bury their dead as quickly as possible uh, because of the climate there. Uh, so they usually bury the dead the day that they die. They have the funeral immediately. And then it says in verse 19, And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. I just want to give you some you know, kind of cultural context here to what is happening with this funeral. Uh, in that culture, everyone who could was expected to attend the funeral. Uh, even if you didn't know the person very well, uh, you were still expected to attend. In fact, if you were just out, you know, walking the street, you know, on your way to Starbucks to get a cup of coffee, and you encounter a funeral on the street, the expectation culturally would be that you would join in that funeral procession, even if it's a total stranger. Even if you don't have any idea who the person was that died or who, the family or anything, if you just came upon a funeral, you were expected to join in that funeral uh, as a sign of respect uh, to the dead. Uh, if you, if you uh, remember in Luke chapter 7, as Jesus and his disciples were entering the city of Nain, a funeral procession was coming out of the city, coming out through the city gates as Jesus and his disciples were were going in. Uh, It was the funeral of a widow's son, the widow of Nain. Uh, And the expectation would be that Jesus and his disciples would have joined that funeral procession. Uh, Even though they don't know this person, they just happened upon it, they're crossing paths, the expectation culturally is that they're going to join that procession. But instead, what Jesus did is he walked up to the coffin and he raised the young man from the dead. And that's a, that's a very conven- convenient thing to do. That way you don't have to spend your day at some funeral for some person that you don't even know. So this was the cultural expectation. And if you look at verse 19 again, it says that many people came 
to console Martha and Mary. Anyone uh, who was around would have come. They would have attended. They would have gone to their house. And so this crowd here is probably very, very large. Again, they buried their dead as quickly as possible, usually the day that they died. And then what they would do is they would have seven days of mourning. So they would have like a seven-day-long funeral, seven days of, of mourning. And during that seven days, again, just to give you some context here, people that were friends with the person that died or family of the person that died, they didn't go to work. They didn't even really go out of the house. They didn't shower. They didn't bathe. They didn't shave. They didn't comb their hair. They didn't change their clothes. They stayed in the same clothes for seven days. They didn't wear their shoes. All as a sign of of mourning. They would just sit in the house and grieve the loss, the death, for seven days. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. Jesus shows up four days into the time of of grieving the death of, of Lazarus. Verse 20 says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. You know, you always see Martha up and moving around when Jesus was there, and you always see Mary sitting. Uh, and, and it's still true here in verse 20. Martha, as soon as she hears he's approaching the town of Bethany, she gets up, she goes out to meet him. Mary stays in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Can you hear the disappointment in her words? If you would have been here, My brother wouldn't have died. Lord, if you would have been here, you could have healed him. Lord, if you would have been here, he'd be alive right now. Jesus, you could have prevented this. You would have showed up. I mean, you could have done something. You could have stopped this. You know, uh, in grieving, there are several stages to grieving. One of the stages in grieving is anger. And you kind of maybe get a sense that she's angry here, that Jesus was a no-show. He didn't show up. But there's also here, there's also, um, there's also an element of faith in what she says. If you look at the verse again, uh, she believed that if Jesus were present, he could have healed Lazarus of his sickness. She believed that Jesus had the ability to heal the sick. So there's, there's an element of faith here. But, but she also thought that his ability was limited. She thought he could heal the sick but he can't raise the dead. And so she says to him, Lord, if you would have been here before he died. In other words, 
If you would have been here four days ago, you could have done something. He's dead now. There's nothing you can do. It's too late. And listen to me. Give me your attention. This is how most people think about death when someone dies, including many Christians. They, they think and they view death as, as the end, as final, as absolute. Once someone dies, they're gone forever. You're never going to see them to, again. That's how people view death. One way we describe death is as a loss, right? I lost my spouse. I lost my parents. I lost my child. What, whatever it may be. We describe death as a loss. I've lost them. As if I don't know where they are and I don't know how to find them. They're lost. They're gone. I don't know how to get them back. And maybe that's how you think about death. Maybe you view death as something that is just, it's final, it's absolute. And what Jesus is showing us here is death does not have to be the final word. Death does not have to be the end. Jesus Christ came to conquer death for us. Jesus conquered the grave. He conquered the death once and for all. He, was, he, was, he died, he was buried, he was resurrected from the dead. He's conquered death for us. And death is not the end. Just as he said back in verse 4, this is not going to end in death. This is not going to end in death. Death is not going to be the end. Look at Martha's words again in verse 21. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him in verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And I want you to see here, don't miss this. Martha believed in the resurrection. Theologically. Doctrinally. She believed there's a resurrection. It's part of her theology. It's part of her doctrine. She, she believed that. She says here, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. It's like she's saying, I, I know that's part of our theology. I get that. Yes, I believe that there's going to be a resurrection one day in the great by and by. I know that's what we teach. I know that's what we believe. I know that's part of our doctrine. Look at Jesus' response in verse 25. It's such a powerful verse. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Do you see what Jesus just did there? He took her doctrine and put it in a person. He took her doctrine and put it in a person. The resurrection isn't just a doctrine. Listen to me. The resurrection isn't just a doctrine that we believe in. It's not just a creed that we ascribe to or recite. The resurrection is a person. The resurrection is a person. Our hope, listen, our hope is not in a doctrinal statement. Our hope is in a person. Our hope is in Jesus Christ who conquered the grave. Listen, if you're sick, you want a doctor. You don't want a medical textbook. If you're getting sued, you want a lawyer. Don't give me a law textbook. And when you come to die, or when a loved one dies, you want a savior. Not a doctrinal statement. A doctrinal statement's not going to help you. You want a savior. You want Jesus. You want the savior, Jesus Christ, who died, was buried, and was raised again on the third day. Give me Jesus, not, not a doctrinal statement, not a theological point of view. Give me Jesus. 
not a doctrine in a book. Give me an empty tomb. Give me a stone that's rolled away. Give me an angel saying he's not here. He's risen just as he said. That's what we need. Right. So he's what Jesus is doing is he is he is taking uh, her doctrinal view and he's making it real for her. It's in a person. It's not just words on a page. It's in a person. And quite often, the reality is, for many of us, it's when someone dies that what we believe becomes real to us. Where it's no longer just a doctrinal statement or something that we say we believe. Now it's real. Now it's real. Now it's reality because the person has died. You know, several years ago, my dad died. Uh, and while he was dying uh, and he was in the hospital and his body was, was just given out. Uh, and his systems were shutting down and... I was staying in the hospital with him at night, and I, was, I remember I was reading to him 1 Corinthians 15 about the resurrection. And in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about uh, the new body that we're going to receive. And here he is at the end of his life, and his body is failing him. And I'm reading to him about the new body we're going to receive. And our, our body is sown in corruption. It's going to be ra- uh, raised incorruptible. It's sown in weakness. It's going to be raised in strength. It's sown in dishonor. It's going to be raised in glory. That's real to him at that point. He's dying. It's not just words now. It's real. You know, one of the nights when we're in the hospital, in the middle of the night, my dad said, he was very uncomfortable at the end of his life, and my dad said to me in the middle of the night, he said, when did you say I'm going to get that new body? <laughs> so you've got to die first. And he said, I can't get it now. Said, no, but you'll get it soon, right? Martha, it's not just doctrine. It's not just theology. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Look at verse 25 again. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Death is not the end for those who believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die, Jesus said. The believer in Jesus Christ never dies. The physical body dies, but the person lives. The Bible tells us if we are absent from this body, we are present with the Lord. We immediately go into the presence of Jesus Christ when we, when we die. And one day the physical body will be resurrected. And we'll have a resurrected body. So the believer in Jesus Christ who dies physically, the physical body gives out and dies. That person is in heaven with Jesus instantly. Instantly. That person is not dead. They're not lost. We know where they are. That person is alive with Jesus Christ. And they are more alive than they've ever been before. We describe them as dying. The physical body's dead. But the, the spirit and the soul, which is your, the real you, That's alive. It's with Jesus. They're not dead. They've moved. They've been promoted to their heavenly home. Now turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. There's a great, great verse here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore we know, 2 Corinthians 5, 1, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed... We have a building from God, a house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He's, he's describing our earthly body here, the physical body. He describes it as a tent. A tent, a tent is not meant to be a permanent dwelling place. It's a temporary dwelling place. He asked- 
First John invites followers of Jesus into a consistently growing relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Christian walk isn't meant to stagnate, no matter how long you've been pursuing your relationship. There's always more to discover about your Almighty Creator, and more ways in which He can refine your heart. As you've done already today by joining Pastor Dan for Ring of Truth, we encourage you to continue spending time in the Word regularly. We also urge you to make conversation with God a regular part of your routine as well, praying and listening to what your Heavenly Father wants to say to you. And know that here at Ring of Truth, we're also praying for you. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd like to invite you to visit us here at Calvary Chapel. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, come worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com. Or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on Ring of Truth.